Welcome to another episode of the Unapologist Podcast. Today we have, of course, the ever lovely and wonderful Christopher Poulsen and hey. myself, Vito McKenzie, here to speak to you on teaching religion and teaching in general. Today's episode, we're going to be looking under the hood of do you need to care? And the whole idea of marriage between caring and teaching. And we're going to dive right into that. Chris, nice to have you. It's like, it's again. nice to be here. It's, 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 it's nice to be here. Well, seeing as you arranged it, I, I hope it would be nice. <laughs> I am, I am the goose to your maverick. I hope things turn out better for me. Listen, you are the one leading this ship. I <laughs> just go along and raise the flag. So <laughs> I love it. Let, 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 let's start off. We're, we're in the year 2020 right now. Yes. Uh, and I'd like to think that education has changed or needs to change uh, to match kind of the year we're in. So what, what is your role as a teacher today? Like what, what is the role of a teacher? Well, it, that's such a difficult question. I gave a lot of thought to this question because um, as we went into the offsite learning, you know, basically globally, you know, definitely uh, in, in Canada, uh, we went to the offsite learning model. Um, I think that the people who were probably most successful at it uh, in terms of uh, student engagement, in terms of like assignment completion and that sort of thing. Um, and, 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 you know, with that in mind too, uh, you know, actual growth of students, I think that the role of being kind of like the, uh, you know, there's the cheerleader role. Uh, there's also the the kind of coach role um, that exists right there. Um, I think that really came to the fore uh, when we went off site because, like I said, the people who had the most success were not the ones who were, um, you know, here's uh, here's a, here's a hundred thousand assignments or things to do. Um, you know, the people who took the time to listen, um, the people who took the time to, you know, like put their work within a framework of, uh, you know, where the student is and the betterment as the student as a person, not necessarily as a student. I think that became really important. And that's not to say that like knowing your stuff isn't important. It is. That's not to say having good pedagogy isn't important. It is. But I think the the connection component is, is becoming moving to be the most important part. Um, I think it, it, you can wrap it up by saying if you want them to believe in themselves and succeed, th they need to believe in you, you know? Okay. So go, go further on that. And there was something else you said in there. I want to touch back on as well. So remind me about each individual student uh, that that's my key. I'm going to go back to, but go back to go further on that one, what you just said. So believing in you means you don't, I don't think you can put on the teacher mask anymore. I think what, what, what's the teacher mask, sir? I think the teacher mask is I am this person outside of the classroom and inside the classroom, I am a different individual. I am teacher version of me. And I don't know if that necessarily works anymore. It, it probably works in terms of just getting information across, but like making like meaningful connections and making meaningful change and positive steps forward in a really deep way, you need to. Uh, you need to be a little vulnerable. You need to be who you are outside of the classroom, which then I think is a really big mirror into asking people, who am I outside the classroom? 
which is a, which is a difficult question to ask. But I think believing in you means they have to actually know you. So when you say, "Hey, I I know you can do this," it's not, "Oh, Mr. Polson, you know the guy who he's getting paid every month to do this believes in me." No, they need to know that you actually believe in them. Okay, and, and so you're going to touch upon a very important topic that I, I actually want to dive into. I was thinking we get to it later, but we're just going to open it up right now. Let's open and it up. Let's open it up. Let's do this. And and that is the idea that to believe in a student, have students believe in you, to open yourselves up to a student. It, it, people have this false sense that it's a you you're making a choice. You're either the teacher or you're you know their friend holding their hand and singing songs in the field and, <laughs> and and that's what they think like you have to give way you you have to make a choice it's either you're, academic or it's fun with yes you. either academic or you're touching base with them and so people have this idea that there's a choice that you're making as a teacher to pick one or the other but they too can't coexist and i, I want to know i know that's false I know that's very false. That's a false choice. Um, but where, where do you stand on that? I wouldn't even say it's a false choice. I'd say it's it's blatantly backwards. If you're you can't have one without the other, you'll uh, you can't sorry you can't have one without the other. You will uh, inevitably you know something's going to give. That's that's a that's a foundation of sand right there. Like what we talked about in the last episode. If you are coming in and you're the best teacher there is. But there is zero you in your teaching. You're just a robot who can, you know, recite the curricular objectives. So I, I think you need to have both. It needs to be authentically you, but it has to be authentically um, excellent pedagogy and, and, and knowledge base. But if you only have one, it's that foundation of sand that we talked about last week. Um because on one hand, if you go in and you don't actually know what you're talking about and you don't have and haven't honed the skills to manage a classroom, to to um, to do transformative teaching, then what you're what you're doing is setting up that let's go to the field and sing songs. But it's meaningless because we're doing it for the sake of having fun. Um, whereas if you have on the other hand, if it, you don't have that authentic, genuine uh, person who cares, you're, yeah, you're going to be um, reciting curricular content and, and textbook knowledge, um, but it's not going to be transformative. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, we all learn in, in, our, in our faculties of education, the, the, the different types of of, uh, of teaching and stuff. And we, we want to be transformative. The knowledge that we're passing on should be something that transforms the person. And that is not, uh, that's not um, exclusive to a religion class by any means. Uh, that's any class. But when you marry the two together, you have someone who knows what they're talking about, can put it out into the world in a way that people can get it, but then genuinely cares about what's being done with it. Um, and that's the key. That's the key to it, it. Not only do I disagree that they can't live together, I'd say they have to live together. They absolutely have to. And I, I would absolutely agree with you on that. And here's where I stand on it too. If I get to know a student and I show that 
genuine concern for that student and that care and that one-on-one attention. And I, I write about this constantly and talk about this constantly. Um, and that student comes to me and says, here you go. I, I produced some work for you. And I look at it and I say, hey, you know, whoever, this isn't your best. Like you can do better than this. Like I'm not accepting this. And they don't look at it as a self-depreciating like, oh, my Mr. McKenzie just took me to the ringer. But it's like, oh, he was disappointed. And he's right. I can do better. Right. Or he was generally happy that I did well on this, on this. So yeah, and and your your pride means something to that student. Yes. Yes. You know, so, and that's huge, huge. Um, teachers need to be heroes. They do. And so this is where I get a little bit upset because we always look through our history with rose colored glasses. Things were so much better when, so what, like what issues do we run into if we hark to like a golden era where students, you know, sat down and I quote golden era <laughs> of education. Oh, education is so wrong today. Students don't learn anything, you know, back in my day. We're well, there's always about, going to be some voices that are angry about the times. Yeah. But, but let, let, let's talk about <laughs> that. Let's talk about that quote unquote golden era where students sit down, they shut up, they listen to the teacher who had full authority in the classroom, listen to the teacher and then they wrote a test or did an assignment to prove that they learned the material. What issues do we run into if we we look at that? Like, first of all, when was this golden era? I <laughs> I, I, I I think people are looking through on the history of the rose-colored glasses. I don't think kids it existed. Kids were always kids. Kids were always kids. When you talk to your grandparents or your parents about the the mischief that they got into, every time I think like. I would be expelled. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, ah, yeah, I, the principal thought it was hilarious. I'm like, yes, I would have been expelled. <laughs> I also think you're hitting on something. You're, I think, like, people look back to like that, like going into the industrial revolution style of of, of school, where it was get the batch out so that they can get to the factory. Mm-hmm. Our our future isn't. It does not. Uh, accommodate that understanding of school. It, it is no longer a straight line. It is no longer one river to the same ocean. It is everything with every possible outcome. Um, and then with where we're at in terms of technology and innovation, you know, our students are, and I, I know this is almost like a government campaign slogan, but it's true. Our students are training for jobs that don't exist yet. You know, and and the the intense structure of the he sat down, he shut up, he did his work, he handed it in, good. That doesn't work anymore. I, I just don't think that works. Um, and especially with the increasingly globalized world where communication is key and there's no walls up to anything anymore, you can't sit down and shut up. It doesn't exist anymore. Because young people have a bigger voice than they've ever had. Okay, that's huge what you just hit on right there. A bigger voice. And they're a lot more observant. And and I always like to say to people, people who complain about this generation of young people have obviously never met them. Oh, okay. and, and and I, I think they're way more aware. They're way more alert. They're way more 
I guess woke is the the term here. But, you know, I, I hate using the terminology because it's not mine. And you know what I always just, say? I sound like yeah. an old man using a, it. But a student once said that I was woke, and I said to them, "Anyone who uses the phrase woke has been asleep for thirty years." <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I look but at you're it. Right. The, you're the, right. The, like you, you, like you can't complain. Oh, they're they're lazy, entitled, and and whatnot. Because students were always lazy, entitled, and and not caring about it. They're, a, I think, they're a lot nicer. Students are a lot nicer than they've ever been. I have, I can't, I can't disagree with that. I have, I've been very lucky. I mean, I've not had a perfectly shining uh, career of every student, but every young person I've ever met has been kind to me. Um, but also, you know, people see they want to they want to judge an entire generation based on the worst of that generation. You know what I mean? Right. And we oh, and we can easily do that. Oh, let's look at the 70s and the 80s when, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we had, like, I can easily judge that generation and the 60s. So we can, gosh, we can judge that generation on the worst. But then if, you, if you judge them based on the best, you know, more people I firmly believe are closer to the best. I, or or striving for it, yeah. And and, and my issue, yeah. this is back to our episode on needing to care, is that I I I think the big issue today is students and young people are growing up with a huge identity crisis. They don't know who they are. They don't know what's going on. And we threw that on them. We didn't. They didn't just come in and say, "Okay, you know, I'm part of a family, and here I am, and I have this background, and I kind of know what I'm up to." But we just said, "Okay, you're part of this mass globalized, constantly connected world, with algorithms that dictate your likes, your favorites, people that you should look into, and you're nothing more than data points to be used to be finance, you know, to." And not only be that, a, be a I product. A, I think it's a relatively new, like within the last fifteen years, maybe. Um, it's a new uh, kind of way of thinking that it's not. You go to elementary school so you can do well in high school. You do well in high school so you can go to university. You go to university so you can get a job that pays you. That is when I like. I had the best family in the entire world. But like the second I, best, second yeah, best. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the, the idea, the but the idea of um, doing something that wasn't university stream, uh, financial outcome stream. You know, even at university. I mean, when you tell your family, "Hey, you know what? I know I got into a degree at Ottawa U um, that has a bright future with it. I think I'm going to go study theology and philosophy." You know, that's not. That's not like the, the the happy thing, but I think it's relatively a new way of thinking that we're even seeing. Uh, we're even seeing like different ideologies coming out publicly. Uh, yes, yes, because they no longer buy the narrative. The exactly. parents are like as parents, you know, we do. And I, I think, you know, you and I probably still have a little bit of that in us being like, you know, we really want our kids to do well. We want the best for them. Uh, and I think we're starting starting to move away from that. Like, you know, putting away from my children's education for the future if they decide to pursue that. I don't know if it's post-secondary is going to be in the same form as it was 
when they're ready uh, that age, even if they, even if they need it, like I have friends in the IT field right now and they're like, it's wild. Like the technologies I'm working with now didn't exist. When... Yeah. I did a university degree in, in, in IT or whatever. And now I'm working on things that like weren't even an idea yet. Yeah, exactly. We're not even, we're not even like just a, a pipe dream. But to bring, to, to bring that around to, to our topic of do you need to care? Well, if you don't care, you're worried about one thing and one thing only. And that's getting the kid a passing mark in the class so they can get to the next one. And that's not the direction that our world is going in. Our or what did you get? What is valuable that you got? And that's where that care component comes in. Because if you can make a connection, the content stops having all that meaning of the if i don't get the right number at the end of the class i i've completely failed this mm -hmm. um you know when you actually care there's there's growth that leads into being able to be a citizen in the world that's constantly changing okay and, and so let's let's go back let's loop back even further to a thing you said and that is especially during remote learning, you said the most successful were the ones who were able to look at each individual student and say, okay, this is what I need from you. And this is where you can succeed. So how do we do that? Like you have a classroom full of, let's say 30 <coughs> students and you need to individualize that. I mean, that seems like a lot of work. It I, is. I, it, let, let, let me, let me play the skeptic here. Like, come on. Like I have a curriculum to deliver. I have, I have, students to get through and i have to you know our education system as much as i'd like to go on this like every individual single tutor kind of model i, I can't it's a mass information dump from one to another how do i show to each individual student that i care well i mean i think that you're hitting some nails on the head there this is not something that a lot of people in even the first five years of their career um number one it should it, it and i firmly believe this is never this is not something that should be on an evaluation of a teacher or anything their level of care like no that you can't you can't evaluate that um in terms of how we're talking about it but this is something that is grown over a career in, in your first few years it's actually caring you know it's it's actually caring and taking taking the step to say, I'm not going to put on the mask. I'm going to, and and we're really bridging on another topic here that is not for this one, but like this needs to be done with the utmost of professionalism too. This isn't Agreed. Oh, Agreed. this isn't just like oh I'm a fun teacher and you can be on my Instagram and like you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, I, I I seriously this type of care. 100% is I think rooted in the professionalism of teaching, but it's not some, it's something that grows. It's something that, you know, you have to sit there and you have to make the conscious choice and say, I'm really going to care. My, my goal for this course isn't a class average. It's the individual growth of the people in it and how I'm going to use who I am to help to influence that. Um, and recognizing that it's not about the bottom lines. It's recognizing that a kid who's a, you know, who's always been a 50 student, if you can get them to a 60, you know, that's a massive win. It's not about recognizing the failures. It's being success driven. Um, it's being success uh, mindset. 
Um, and that comes down to like, I don't care about your 90. I care that you understand the content. I care that you understand the value of it. And most importantly, I understand that you can take this knowledge into the world and make the world a better place through your life being better because of it. And if that equals you got a 90 on the assignment, great. But that's it's it's the learning and caring about the learning, not about the number. Right. So how how, how do we show that? How do we show that? Like, how do you show that? I, I, I could talk about my experience, but how do you show that? Well, one of the things I like to do, easy spot, talk to them. They hold are on a second. No, no, hold on a second. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not about like, you know, take five minutes at the start of class and say, hey, everyone, how's everyone doing? And actually listen. You know, you know, what, what, you know, they, you always get told when you're little. I remember, I remember every year when I'm little, you know, uh, wow, you know, miss so-and-so was really angry at us today. And mom would say, well, you don't know the type of day they had. Mm -hmm. Um, it, that's, that's two streets. That's a two way street. Um, <laughs> you know, because, I mean? you know well, and, and there's something to be said about that because talk to them, like you talk about a teacher mask and what I always caution people is that students are very good at reading your body language. They've had a teacher in front of them every day so far for a number of years. And they're very, very good at reading teachers. They yeah. know right away if the teacher's having a good day, a bad day, even a supply teacher, they know if this is going to be a good supply teacher, a bad supply teacher. I remember when sure. I was supply teaching, uh, students would walk into class and be like, oh, this guy seems chill. I'm like, yeah. okay, I am, but like, how, how did you pick that up? Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ah, this cardigan, this cardigan speaks. <laughs> um, yeah, no, absolutely. It's about, it's about not, like they can tell when the wall's been built up. Don't build up the wall. As simple as that. Like, don't have the wall. Now, again, you do this with the utmost of professionalism. It's not like, um, well, let me tell you a story to kind of illustrate this. Um, to illustrate what it means, I think, to have a legitimate connection. Um, I, uh, when my, on my son's third birthday, he broke his femur. And happy birthday, right? Like, um, I remember that. That's, yeah. that's frightening. That's oh, frightening. But um, so we were at the hospital. We, we, we did all we could. He had to be flown out the next day. And my options were, okay, do I, do I stay at home or do I go into work today? Because I didn't know if I was driving down to Edmonton that night or if I was going to have to drive down to Edmonton or what was going to happen. And so I left from the hospital to – I went right from the hospital to my, my, my school and – Right away, in my very first class, um, the student, a student went to the front of the class and said, listen, team, like something's wrong with Mr. P today. Um, we have tons of work that we can be doing. And, and the student said to me, Mr. P, don't feel like you need to do a full lesson for us today. We will work on whatever you want us to, our project or anything, because we know something's up. And then I was happy wow. to say, I was happy to say like, here's what's up. And I appreciate that. But it's like, it's, I think sometimes we put on the glasses that it's like student teacher instead of student, also person, teacher, also person. Right. You showed them your, your humanity and yeah. especially in a class when you're trying to teach in a Catholic system anyway, that Jesus was both human and divine. 
Oh, HD. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's saying, okay, I'm human as well, and I get it. And I, I like that because, you know, I'm last few years I've been teaching grade eight, and I, I will let the students know, I'll be like, listen, you know, everyone, I just want to let you know this, <laughs> this is not the best day for me. I apologize if I'm short with you. And let's just get going. And they, and they they see they they've already recognized that, but they're like, okay, you know what? He's having a bad day, and mm-hmm. they don't push me that day. Those days they don't push me. Like they're 13, 14 years old, they're gonna push me every day and drive me up the wall because that's mm-hmm. what 13, 14 years do. But on those days when I'm real with them, they they actually will hold back and say, oh, okay, he's having a bad one. Let's 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 not. We'll go easy on him. We'll go easy on him today. Yeah. But, no, that hundred percent revealing of the humanity brings that care connection into the fore, and the the more that you are authentically you, the more they'll realize that you're not in it just for a paycheck. That being said, I, I, it it is so crucial that like you also realize that you are getting paid to do it. It doesn't like 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 wait, we talked about like being a you know like a, a connections based educator doesn't exempt you from being a academic educator as well. Uh, you know, academic rigor, full joy. You know, mm-hmm. when I think about, and I'm going to, I'm going to be the, the religion teacher, the theologian here for a moment, but like, I think about the Sermon on the Mount, you know, I think, I think it is one of the best examples of teaching that there is because you have, you have Jesus and I can, I can just picture him being like, you know, okay, I've told you to love each other for so long, and you're still asking me what I'm talking about. <laughs> so everyone, sit down. I'm going to give you the answers to the test. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And instead of, like, you know, like, his message is, he's got this clear message of love others. He's got this clear, clear message. And people are still like, I don't get it. You know, and the frustration, you you know, he's frustrated. I mean, he has to do the Sermon on the Mount. He's so frustrated, but he doesn't do it in a way that is like, oh, everyone here. Come on. You should know this. You, Hey, hey, disciples, you did this in grade 11. Why don't you know it now? You know, he, mm-hmm. he sits down. He says, I'm, I'm going to change the game and I'm going to tell you how it is in a way that might help you to understand because he genuinely cared about the message because the message is what changes the world. The kid who finally gets that math concept, that's the thing that changes the world. The thing that finally understands in a religion class that they're good and they're loved. And even though they've made mistakes, it doesn't make take away their dignity. That's going to change the world. The kid in that LA class who finally understands something about Shakespeare and says, wait a minute, I get this. And I love it. That's going to change the world. But the kid who just gets told, like, not good enough, you know, needs to be redone. The kid who gets told, you know, go back to that golden age. In the golden age, the kid who's told to sit down, shut up, and listen to the teacher, that's not a person who's going to change the world. No, and, and they get dissuaded and disillusioned with mm-hmm. education itself. And then that's why you have these, you know, this quote-unquote success <sighs> stories of, like, I never did well in school. Look at me now. And the devaluing of education as a result of that, because I think there was really a system of teachers who didn't care. I, I know one thing I like to do in my classroom is as students are working, at least once a week, I will go and around to every single student by name. How's it going? What's up? What are you up to? Th- what are you up to this weekend? And you know, I at this point, like it's 
partway through the year, I, or if, at least a month in, I know whether these students are in dance or basketball yep. or what they're up to. And I'll be like, do you have a tournament coming up? Oh, how are you feeling about that? Or hockey? How you been? How was your injury? Like I take, I take the time to just pick one thing about each student to, to ask about. And for them, I think that that, that goes a long way. Cause it shows means a lot, means a lot to them. Means, it means a lot. And I, I, you know, I, back to my language arts class, the student who finally gets it, the first 10 minutes of my class is independent reading and they're reading whatever they want. Like, this is a whole other discussion on reading programs in schools. But I actually sit down with three students every day and conference with them one-on-one. -on -one. That's where their reading mark, quote-unquote, comes from. What are you reading? Oh, why that? I, well, you don't You don't seem to like it. You haven't read past five pages. I don't think you like that. Try this one. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I get comments from students being like, I didn't know there were so many books out there until you pointed them my way. You really hit my interest. Like, well, I've been listening. I've been listening to you. I know what's mm -hmm. going to interest you. And and you don't always get 100% success rate. And I think that is the danger that people fall into, that thinking that, oh, well, this doesn't work for 100% of your students, so it must be wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if we were to kind of like put a thesis to this, like number one, the connection needs to be married with the academic would be number one. Uh, number two would be, um, you know, not wearing the mask. Number three uh, would be seeing the, the, a teacher as a person and a student as a person. Um, but number four, too, is, is some pre-knowledge going in as a teacher is that you're a teacher because in some capacity you liked school. And you are the minority. Yes. Or you like learning or mm -hmm. I've, I've even heard teachers who just went and said, I've had such horrible teachers all my life. I know I can do better. I, need, I needed to make a change. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, what you're saying, like you sat, you listened, you actually got to know them, you retained it. And that means a lot, especially where we live in a, uh, we live in a world where in most households, mom and dad both work. Um, not everyone is having meals together. The connections in the home, uh, if, if you think about quote unquote, like golden era or whatever, the, the connections in the home aren't necessarily as prominent as they used to be. So, you know, being a teacher is a huge responsibility and you can, you can care or you can't, or you don't care. And that's, you know, that's going to be your personal choice. Um, not caring and just being focused on the results. You're not going to have... A, a bad career you're not going to get fired you're probably going to get some really good results sometimes and sometimes you won't um but i think i think when you when you marry the care with it and and that you have that academic rigor that complete joy that genuine connection you're not gonna have a good career you're gonna have a happy life ah okay well i, I guess this is something we can look at in a later episode too is that when the teachers with the least amount of burnout are the ones who care the least. And I don't mean that in a cal callous way <coughs> because I know a lot of teachers get into this profession because they do care mm -hmm. and they, they, they want the best from students. They want to impart knowledge. And you know, you're always going to get that few percent who are just like, I'm in it for the summers and the mm -hmm. pension and whatever. Um, I mean, uh, public servants, that's just what you, sometimes you attract a few of those, mm -hmm. but most teachers I know they do care. I, yeah, get, I think the vast majority does, but, but they burn out and 
when they detach themselves, they that's how they prevent burnout. And, and I guess this is an ep- an idea for a later episode is like how do we stop that from happening? Uh, but let's 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 take this to the practical level now. So you want to show students that you care and that you're in this for them, right? You know what you're talking about. You're a master of your subject. You are pa- you're pa- well, I hate the word. You're passionate about what you teach and what you do and you love them and you love what you're up to. What does the first 2 weeks in your classroom look like to show that? Um, the first 2 weeks in the classroom. Number 1, structure. I think that I think that especially someone who's who's been in the game for a while, the students knowing that you're ready for what you're about to do shows them in both ways that you care. Being ready. And that means taking that extra time. That means taking that extra time, uh, not to script out what you're going to do by any means, but to know it. Um, but it also means that a lot of that first time is um, less academic. It's still a good portion of academic, but there are some less academic connectivity. I, I mean, you have to put in work to do anything. You know, you have to put in work to have a good relationship with your wife, with your kids, with your family, with your friends. The first two weeks is putting in work. It's doing things knowing you're going to have to make up time later by doing things to get to know each other. It's it's by letting them see who you really are, telling the stories about your life. A huge fan of stories. I believe our stories connect us. I believe we learn from our stories. And it's using story in the time where you can in those first two weeks. It's about not having a laundry list of rules. You know, uh, and and but then how do they know where their where their boundaries are? You, but, I mean, like, in your thing. first day, you're giving them a laundry list of rules. I mean, I can do whatever I want, Mister Polson's class. Come on, well, you know what I say? I in all my classes, there's only one rule. You know what it is? What's that? Don't make me be that guy. <laughs> that is, you ask any student I've ever had when we do the rules, hey, class rules, we got to go through them. Number one, don't make me be that guy. I'm a high, I teach high school, so I say to them. You know, you, you know what you have to do to be successful in school. You know what you have to do to not get in trouble to do your best. I know what I have to do if you don't do that. Don't make me be that guy. So that <laughs> that, that shows a respect for them in that they know what they have to do. But it also shows that I'm I'm a real person and that I actually <laughs> care. Like, uh, and, I, you know, that type of things. As you get into the lower grades, you know, why we, sometimes we frame our rules in the negative. I think it's really important um, to frame our, instead of having classroom rules of like the classroom expectations is a model I really like. And and it's not expectation. Do your best. Do your best is such a wonderful classroom expectation that connects you with them, you know, and then find out what their best is, you know, take the time in those first two weeks, have a conversation with every student. Don't be sitting at your desk when you're teaching. Like, uh, you know, people, uh, People talk, uh, you know, I, I sometimes get made fun of because at the end of like a teaching day, I'm just a dripping, sweaty mess because I'm so like, you know, but get out, you know, stand up, get out there, like be into it, you know, get in the trenches. You want, well, well, you want them to think that you, that you care about them? Get in their faces, get become a part of their lives. One of my colleagues actually asked me, like, 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 how do you stay so thin? Like, I see you snacking all day long. It's like, I, I don't sit down. Like, my, my teacher desk is in the corner, and it barely fits me behind it because I, I don't sit at it. I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm running like, 
But you have to I, be. I, I think that's such an important way. Like, was it money talks and bullcrap walks, right? Like, hmm. if you if you are legit, you are going and find who you are. You know, in that first two weeks, especially if you're a new teacher, like figure out who you are. Um, because I have met some of the most wonderful teachers who absolutely care the most about their kids and make amazing connections. And they're math teachers who have kids sitting in rows because that's who they are. That structure is who they are, but they make it work for who they are. They say, this is who I am and I'm going to connect with you. And they do it, but they do it in that structured way. Find out who you are. And that doesn't, yeah, first year teacher, great advice. That if you've been teaching for 10 years, you still need to assess who am I? Um, you know, I, I love that you said that, you know, you, who you are, who you are, like, you're not trying to emulate some edgy celebrity yeah, or whatever. It's absolutely it's, it's this is this is who I am. That's how I make a connection. I, mm -hmm. I like that. You know, one of the amazing religion teachers I, I've spoken with and I, I picked her brain about it. She was department head and she's a VP now. And she said, you know, the first two weeks I spend all that time getting to know my students whether they have pets, what their pets' names are, what's going mm -hmm. on. Like, I don't sit there and be like, let's co-create some rules together <laughs> as a class. Like, here's no, the rules. I'm the teacher. You're the kid. You know the school rules. You know what to do. Don't make me be that guy. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> but, but she says, you know, and, and and this is one of my favorite quotes from you too, uh, because she, she touches upon it, but you say it explicitly. She goes, you know, I spend two weeks getting to know them. And that, you know, quote unquote, wastes a lot of time away from curriculum, but I make all of that back later. Yeah. If you spend, if you have a 90 minute class and you spend 70 minutes making sure every heart in that room is full of joy, well, that last 20 minutes, you're going to do 10 times what you would have done in the whole 90 minutes. Because there, you, especially you want to talk about religion, you need to be in the right mindset and a right heart set. You have to be, you have to be. No growth happens when people are miserable. Say what? <laughs> no, well, not only not not only does no growth happen, but like nothing happens. You think about people who are actively miserable, who aren't connected, who, you know, how many conferences has have you been to when you're sitting there listening to a speaker and you're just like, how can I sneak out the back? I th I'm I'm at eighty percent right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but then again, you think about when you go to a conference and you have a speaker who like grabs you and you're like whoa you're generally looking at someone who is exposing who they are and i don't mean exposing in like a, oh my god this is my life and everything it's it's someone who's who's honest someone who cares about what, what you're gonna do i i like that it's i think we're gonna we're gonna definitely touch upon that quite a bit in this podcast is what does it mean to be authentic and honest Without being like, oh, I had a fight with my spouse last night, you know, like giving away every detail. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I think too, it's about, um, I like, you got to lead with joy. I think, I think that's, I think that's kind of the, the peak to what we're talking about. Um, you gotta be, you gotta be joy completely joyful and i don't mean like happy because happy goes ebbs and flows i wasn't happy when my kid broke his femur but joy's got to be your primary reason for being there um because i don't think that you can hate where you are hate what you're doing and make positive connections um i, th I think i think joy is is our is our bus stop to success um because when you're joyful 
you know you're going to screw up and everyone's going to laugh at you and you can be like, I look like an idiot. And that's okay. <laughs> and when you're joyful, <laughs> you know, you're going to get little Bobby who gives you the most garbage assignment possible. And you can be like, Bobby, we both know this is garbage. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we also both know that you can knock this out of the park. So take an extra two days, you know, <laughs> and, and not be like, we, there is no curriculum objective that I know about that is student hands work in on time. Um, and yet we're so, um, there's also, there's also nothing to say that, you know, standards aren't, aren't appropriate, but we need to understand that just like uh, differentiated learning, we need to understand differentiated uh, timelines, differentiated, uh, di differentiated expe expectation in terms of how things come in, because I think that is directly uh, the, the, the fruit of the seeds, which is our joy being okay with that being finding a way to be okay with the difficult and the hard parts of being a teacher helps you to be a joyful teacher, helps you to make those connections, help you to have, a classroom of world changers. And I don't mean world changers in that not, not every kid's going to cure cancer, but every kid gets a little hammer. And if they can make a little dent in this world, enough little dents changes the whole thing. That's, that's, I like that. I like that. I like that. Um, especially little dents changing it all because every, every province, every state, every place has a different educational mandate. Like in Ontario, you, you actually can't, penalize a student for handling handing in assignments late i don't think you can anywhere really in in canada i could be wrong yeah, yes um, and, and so i know that doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean you can't say i'm no longer accepting this assignment but here's an alternative assignment that you can do and you won't be doc marks nothing right. I, I don't think i think that's another thing people forget about it's not about saying deadlines don't matter it's about assessing learning not well, ability to get it in well, the ability to care, and this is the train I was kind of going on, is that let's take an example like New Zealand, where it's it's actually there's no marks, it's pass fail, and you can pass with honors. And I, I know a teacher who taught there, and she's like, well, you know, it's a great system, but it breeds mediocrity because students will absolutely know the minimum they have to do and the loopholes they can get through to get. You got to, you kind of got to respect that. Yeah, yeah, it takes a lot of work to know that. And, and, yeah, and, and and that's it, and and you know, students. You know, you're gonna always have the ones who strive for above and beyond, but everyone will be looking for. It's just the way our brains are. We we try to find the path of least resistance. But when you show that you actually care and mm -hmm. say, "Listen, no, don't do that," you actually have a student who all of a sudden doesn't want to follow that path for your <laughs> class or for you specifically. And you know the. Of course, this is we can tackle this later. The danger is that you you know you can turn yourself into an idol by doing this, <laughs> and, and other teachers will want to crucify you as well. Why do students like your class? You must be an easy marker, quote. But you know they they go on it like whatever the case may be. Um, but you, you want to make sure that you're showing students you care so that they give you their best. Absolutely. Um. And, and, and one of the things, you know, I would love to see the data of, um, you know, so they obviously have this pass-fail system with honors, right? I would love to see the data of, of like, our numbered system compared to that. Because I, you know, 
like I said earlier, not everyone is going to be like a brain surgeon. I would say it probably falls the same. Our data is just different. Mm. Um, but no, you, you're absolutely right. You're you're completely right. It's it's <laughs> if someone wants to do good for you, you've made a connection. If someone wants to do their best, and you just happen to be the linchpin that gives them that uh, that ambition. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and I've always said this, and I don't know. Um, maybe this is a kind of a good place uh, for us to kind of end the discussion. Um, but I've always thought that it's okay for a student to not remember a word you said. Um, but if they remember you, they, they know everything they have to know. You know, in a religion class, I, I've always kind of I, thought about that. But and I I agree with that because the teachers I remember the most, uh, just some of the off comments they've said, and it's I remember them. Yeah, I remember them, and they're the ones who inspired me. And I couldn't tell you why. And and so it makes you you know it makes you really have to think like, you know, if I want to make connections, if I want to be a teacher who cares about academics, but I care about connections, and I want student success i don't just want numbers you have to think like what's my personal philosophy what's my personal thesis um you know personally it's like you know for me it's like you know joy first joy first because joy changes the world because joy is the, the key to unlocking the door to everything else so mm -hmm. you know if a student who had me 10 years ago remembers me as mr polson was a really joyful guy and that there's something to that because i want to be joyful too that's a huge win. I love it. I love it. And, you know, um, I have a upcoming book on this and especially teaching outside the curriculum is what I'm calling it. And one of the biggest, I guess, foundational blocks of this book is every year our board has won some kind of national or not some kind of capital commission award for best employer. And oh, nice. A few years ago, I, I was having one of those years in teaching where it was just like, I, it was a mess, chaotic home life, personal life, professional life. Students were just off the wall. Like just, it was all a mess. And so I really feel I, did, I, did, I wasn't giving, like I, I wasn't giving my best to my, my students. And during this time, anybody, a teacher, a parent, or a student could nominate a teacher for somebody who's had an influence on them. And a student wrote in as I'm, I'm, I'm taking the bus home uh, from a conference, I think. And I get this message that somebody had nominated me anonymous and it was a student. And they said, this is the best teacher I've ever had because he genuinely wants to, he genuinely makes me want to be a better person. Oh, I love and, it. And he never gives up on anybody. And he always strives for everyone to give their best. And any compliment somebody has given to me over the years over anything I've done faded in the background when I saw that. Like I was I was actually in tears on the bus. I, I felt like a blubbering mess because it came at such a good time and such a chaotic time. And just to see that that you know, he genuinely wants he makes me want to be a better person because that was my lesson behind the curriculum. Well, there it is. I mean that that's that's what it is. You know, um, you can't, uh, 
you, you can't never give up on on students if you haven't already had a stock in them mm -hmm. you know um go <laughs> They go in with that stock, go in with that stock, go in with that joy. That joy will lead you to connections. Know your stuff because they have to go hand in hand. Be the utmost of professionalism, but that doesn't mean put on a mask. It doesn't mean care about the number and not the student. Thank you, Chris. You got it. You, you got to care. You got to care. Well, th thank you very much, Chris. I think this has been another thank, very. Thank you, buddy. This, you were great. <laughs> this is a great episode. I. Join us uh, next week when we're going to be looking at a topic we touched upon today, which is burnout, dealing with the drain of being an emotionally caring, invested teacher. So join us next week when we tackle that subject in detail. Chris, have a good week. You too, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Podcast.